Happy Tuesday, everyone, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and I hope everyone out there is doing all right. I'm suffering from a little postmaster's blues, i got to be honest with you. As you all know, last week is my favorite week of the year, so when it's over... I'm feeling a little bluesy, but, you know, we we move forward, right? We start to looking forward to what's next on the calendar, and uh, we got the Players' Championship coming up, and then, you know, beyond that, we look forward to the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills. Plus, I, you know, I'm, I'm ecstatic about the show tonight because I get to share three more of my favorite guests with you, and, and first up is going to be the voice of golf, Peter Kessler, and you all know how much I think of Peter. He should be in the World Golf Hall of Fame after all the contributions he's made to the game of golf. No no one voice is more synonymous with a game of golf than Peter's. It was his show, Golf Talk Live, that was the anchor of the Golf Channel when it was launched back in 1995. You heard our good friend and a former producer from over there, Keith Hirschland, talking a few weeks ago about Peter and his show and how much it meant to the launch of the Golf Channel. So I'm looking forward to getting Peter's thoughts tonight on the Masters, plus, you know, Tiger's year so far, right? A story that he put out recently, Peter, that is, uh, put out on social media about Jordan Spieth and, and getting a swing lesson from Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player at the Champions Dinner last Tuesday. So that should be great to hear. So Peter's going to be along with me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to be joined by Scott White, the CEO of Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. I play their PTX irons, which are fantastic, and they're about to launch a new set of custom-crafted forged irons called Ben Hogan Edge, which I'm looking forward to hearing all about. They're also coming out with a new set of wedges called the Equalizer. So some exciting new stuff that I'm looking forward to Scott sharing with us, and uh, he'll be along with me a little bit later on in this half hour. Then we'll round out tonight's show with PGA Tour Pro and Sirius XM broadcaster Paul Stankowski. Paul has gotten, you know, a little bit out of the booth lately, out onto the golf course, so he's got a little different perspective now as he is doing his thing on uh, on Sirius XM. So we'll talk about that. Uh, he's also started to play a little bit more. He uh, He's a Dallas Cowboys fan, and earlier this year he was paired with Tony Romo in a North Texas PGA Tour event, so we'll look forward to getting the details about that and, and uh, his thoughts as well about what he saw at Augusta National last week. Paul will be along with me a little bit later on in this hour. So a lot more great stories coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee, and I thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour or so. But before we get started, I want to remind you about our good friend Matthew Lawrence and his show Backspin Golf, which airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's my regular Sunday morning, 8.03 a.m. tea time. It's broadcast on ESPN Radio AM 1300 WLXG up in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can stream it live by going online to WLXG.com or downloading the WLXG app. It's a great way to kickstart your Sunday mornings. His four-minute older brother, Mitchell, also has a great golf show that marries golf and travel. It's called Talking Golf Getaways, which you can find on GolfNewsNet.com or over on Audioboom. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, travel all over the world, and they let you know about great places to, to play and stay and eat even while you're there. Again, it's called Talking Golf Getaways, and it's available on GolfNewsNet.com or over on Audioboom. And, folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about what they have going on up there. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. 
Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great a place it is and to book your stay as well. And, folks, you've heard me talking about Club Hub sensors over the last several months. It's the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Club Hub tells you what happened and why. Take the progress that you make on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have Club Hub sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, since I put the Club Hub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Because not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards and the green, but after your round, you can go and look back at the images and the layout of every hole in the course that you just played and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. No other GPS tool in the market captures that and lets you go back and review your round the way the Club Hub app does. It's available for Androids or iPhones, and the app keeps track of your swing speed of every club in your bag, your tempo, your angle of attack, plus you get a 3D view of your swing as well. And again, no other rangefinder can do all that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com and order your set of Club Hub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT to get 10% off on all products at checkout. Again, clubhubgolf.com, enter the coupon code NEXT, and you're going to get the best GPS and swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price, and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their spring collection has arrived, and the shift in seasons is an opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. They've added some great details, fresh new colors, and new additions with genuine enduring character. They make style easy. They can, you can find coordinated outfits in a variety of colors online by going to bobbyjones.com. And we're also proud to be spo- uh, partnering with Russ Holden and the great folks over at Caddy for a Cure. One of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. You get to spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fanconia anemia. You're going to get to walk side by side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. In addition to the amazing experience you're going to have, you're going to get a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, which is going to include Under Armour logo apparel and an eyewear package, a tour-grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky, and professional photographs from your day. Go online to caddyforacure.com. That's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E.com, caddyforacure.com to learn more. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is the voice of golf, Peter Kessler. Be sure to follow Peter on his Facebook page and over on Twitter, at Peter Kessler. Also, be sure to check out Peter's podcast called Reading the Break, which can be found on his websites, either peterkessler.com or readingthebreak.com or over on SoundCloud. You can also find it on our website, nextonthetee.net. And no one knows more about the history of the game than Peter does. He's interviewed every major golf figure of the 20th and 21st centuries. When you layer in on top of that his magical voice and thousands of great stories, then you've really got something and someone who is very special. I've been saying over the last couple of years, there are some great contributors 
to the game of golf and the World Golf Hall of Fame. People like Frank Cherkinian, Peter Allison, Henry Longhurst. But a fourth bus should be in there for Peter Kessler. His contributions to the game through the number of interviews he's done, his show Golf Talk Live, which was the anchor of the Golf Channel, which launched back in the mid-1990s. You know, and, and something too many people either don't know or don't remember about Peter is he was the president of the company that brought the perfect club to all of us, which was at the forefront of the hybrid market. I don't know if we'd be as far along with the hybrids if it hadn't been for Peter and his company. And folks, as you heard me say just a couple of days ago when I had the privilege of talking with Gary Player, it's Gary Player's voice that I hear inside my head when I'm close to eating something that I shouldn't. I can hear him telling me, don't do that. That's poison to your body. And when I'm interviewing people, it's Peter Kessler's voice. I hear in my head saying, okay, Chris, that question or that statement's too long. Shorten it and get out of the way of your guest. Good evening, Peter. How are you, my friend? Uh, it's good to be with you, and I, I'm always flattered to be with you after a major championship. It always makes me feel like I'm high up on the list, and I'm thrilled to be with you and uh, excited uh, that we're going to have this time together. And uh, Peter, I, I want to start out by getting your thoughts of what we saw last week at Augusta National. What, what did you think about the four rounds and the things that took place over uh, Thursday through Sunday? Well, let, let's start with the end of the tournament. You know, we had in Patrick Reed winning his first major championship, and, of course, you had Ricky Fowler, who after not a great series of holes on the front nine, really got it together and put a lot of pressure on Patrick Reed. Jordan Spieth shooting a 64 but and finishing third. But I had such a curious reaction after it was over and sort of a it, – it didn't leave a completely sensational taste to me. And I, I think there's three reasons why. The first one was Jordan knew, whether he says he was looking at the leaderboards or not, that if he birdies 18, that he's in a position to win the tournament or he's in position to be in a playoff – but he's certainly in position to have something good happen, given all of the good things that he had done to that point to get to nine under par for his, through his round for 17 holes with no bogeys on the card. And he makes a complete hash of the last hole. He hits a horrendous drive, and, uh, and then he had a chance to go ahead and save his par, and he hit a pretty dodgy putt from six feet that he's had you know, a bazillion times both in play and in practice rounds. And so he knew when he was on the tee, whether he says so or not, that if he makes birdie, he's in position. So when he didn't do it and when he made a mess of the hole and finished with a bogey and took a lot of the, the, the gloss off of the 64, which is hard to do, but you can with a final hole bogey that takes you out of contention, he was perfectly fine about the whole thing when they interviewed him two seconds after the round was over. I would have expected a little flash of anger, a little bit of, you know, I knew knew somewhere in my head that if I birdie 18, I could be in great position. But he didn't do that, and he seemed pleased with his 64 as though the bogey at the end, which was an important bogey, hadn't even occurred. And that bothered me that he was okay with it. And then... Ricky Fowler comes in and is all giddy because he edged out Jordan Spieth for second place. And I thought to myself, I can't imagine that 
Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods or our good friend Gary Player, who you just spoke to and who I just saw, they would not have been happy after the round. They might have been gracious after the round, but they wouldn't have been giddy and they wouldn't have already been looking forward to the next major, which is 65 days away or so. And momentum at the end of a Masters tournament has nothing to do with the U.S. Open in June. There's too much time. There's too much that can happen to your golf game. It's a completely different golf course. It will require a completely different set of criteria to successfully get around in a low enough score to win. So I was disappointed that Ricky, who hasn't won a major, that Ricky, who's almost 30 and only has four victories and is behind schedule given how popular he is as a player and how good a player he can be when he gets it right, but he doesn't get it right often enough. And it wasn't good enough, in my view, that he had a great weekend, which is what he did have, and he's had trouble having great weekends, but that's not good enough. You know, at 32, Tiger had 14 majors. Ricky's going to be 30. He's the best player who doesn't have five wins on the P. GA Tour, and he has no major championships. There's nothing to be giddy about after the round by edging out Jordan Spieth. Is that because the check is bigger? Is that because the check satisfies you in some way? Is that because the check somehow takes the sting away from coming in second because you still won over a million dollars? And Jordan not having a flash of anger at blowing what he knew was an opportunity on the final hole. You know, it's only so good as the, as the close, and it was sensational for 17 holes and nine birdies. It was just absolutely incredible stuff, and the shot in the 13 to 10 feet was absolutely amazing from where he hit it and the club he hit it with and how it just cleared the water and cozied up and everything. He shouldn't have been happy. Ricky shouldn't have been happy, and they were happy. And then the third thing that that happened is in your winner, Patrick Reed, you have a guy that golf fans and golf scribes and his peers generally don't like very much. And I think that there are a few compelling reasons for that, two of which are most important to the kinds of folks that like golf. And the kinds of folks that like golf are generally people with integrity, respect for the rules and tradition and doing the right thing and, and, and good character values and good relationships with your family if you can have them. And, and I think Patrick has violated two of the most important things on the list that are important to people when forming opinions about others. And the first one was he was clearly cheating in some instances in college on the golf course. There are just too many data points to refute it. There are too many people who saw the incidents occur. Give you a quick example. The team is playing around, this college team is playing around to see who gets to play in the college event the following week against the other college. And so it's a competition. And so on when and everybody was just keeping their own score so the round ended you know it's not a formal competition and so they were just keeping their own card and they said what did you shoot patrick and he said 71 and the other three guys in his group said no he shot 74 and patrick said no i shot 71 and like they did to vj singh and others when vj was accused of erasing the last number on the last hole on a friday in 1984 in asia that with the erasure and the new number got him to make the cut 
you know, we 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 had uh, a, a, a similar situation here where they ended up calling all the players into a room and they had to go shot through shot the guys in his group of every stroke that he took in the round. And it turned out he had shot the 74 when they added it up. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of strokes. That's a lot of ethical lapse. Another situation, he hits his ball way to the right in a similar situation, playing with his own teammates to see who could play next week. And he hit a ball far to the right, but yet he found a ball close to the fairway. And as he's about to draw the club back, the three other guys converge on him and said, you know, that's not your ball. You know, that's not your ball. And there was a whole ruckus. And finally, he hits the right ball. But, you know, there there were a few of these things that happened where there were where it was more than just his word. You know, this was these events occurred. And cheating in golf is something you just don't get a mulligan on. Not in the hearts of other golfers. If I know someone has cheated, I certainly would, wouldn't want to be playing with them. And and I would never play with somebody who cheated ever again. And golfers hold that dear. Tradition, integrities, the rules, the game of golf, calling penalties on yourself, policing yourself. So that's the one thing that has turned people away from him. Even if they don't know the whole story, they know about the allegations at the very least of some cheating incidents taking place over a period of time when he was in college. And the other thing is his relationship with his parents. Now, the most common version that we know is that when Patrick was 22 and his now wife was 26, they got engaged and his parents said, Patrick, you're only 22. You know, this woman is a little bit older than you, but never mind that. You may just be a little bit too young to get married. And so Patrick took offense at that instead of having a conversation, told his fiance, who in turn said to him, they're blackballed from our lives forever. And essentially, that's what's happened since then, to the extent that at the open at Pinehurst, Patrick's wife had his parents who showed up at the tournament hoping for a reconciliation at the end of a round, including with his younger sister, who he had had a great relationship with, his his then wife had them escorted from the grounds. Now, I don't know how she convinced USGA officials to remove his family from the grounds, but somehow she was successful. So two things that people hold as important, not cheating and being good to your mom and dad. And here are his parents who live in Augusta, five minutes from the golf course, who weren't invited over on the Sunday to come to the round, to enjoy it, to, to have a celebration, to be with him after the None of that happened. People take those two things seriously. Now, when you add to that the fact that He doesn't appear to have a good attitude on the golf course, and he's not telegenic. Is a lot of stuff that that combines to cause people to not have a favorable opinion. It's a lot of information, and none of it's very good. So between Jordan's odd reaction, between Ricky's odd reaction, between this indifference at the very best that people in general have for Patrick Reed left an unsensational flavor at the end of the golf tournament. Now, in fairness to Patrick, he played super golf. Now, the round that he shot on Friday was eight strokes better than the field average. That's the best round of the tournament. The second best round was Jordan on Thursday, who was seven shots 
shots better than the field average. And on Sunday, Patrick Reed did what he needed to do when he needed to do it in order to close. And once you saw that Rory was making a mess of things after missing three or four short ones in the first few holes, Rory completely let him off the hook. And he had to be in a pretty good mind, but knew he needed to keep grinding in case somebody got hot and a couple of players, as mentioned, did get hot. And he held on and he played a good back nine and he made a, that great birdie on 12 was, you know, was really, really timely. And, um, you know, he got a nice break on 13, finishing on the bank and should have gotten it up and down for birdie, but ended up making a par, but it didn't take him out of position. But he played super golf and he trusted a new move to his swing that would give him a cut shot that looked like an Arnold Palmer finish. And one of the holes he had to use it on was the very last hole on 18. He had to hit a little cut drive when it draws his standard shot. And he hit a beautiful shot. And he, and of course, he made, you know, a, a terrific par. And he closed out the victory over Ricky Fowler and by two over Jordan Speed. So you've got to give it to him. He, he was third, I think, in overall putting. He was sort of middle of the pack in getting to the green, but effective when he was on it. He was good around the greens. He wasn't three putting. And he did exactly what he had to do on the final day. So all credit to Patrick for an incredible victory, a victory that he won't get his just due for because of the way that people feel about him based on some things that are particularly important to people in forming opinions about others. And Peter, you touched on Rory McIlroy, and I wanted to get your thoughts on Rory because, you know, yes, Ricky was right there in second. Jordan finished his third and both had really good back nines and and rounds on Sunday. But Rory, to your point, really let Patrick off the hook, right? You know, and we've seen this a little bit from Rory in the past at Augusta. You go all the way back to 2011 when he had the lead and shot 80 to end up tied for 15th. But your thoughts, because I I started to get worried about Rory right from the get-go because his opening tee shot was as far right as I've seen anybody hit it, and he almost went out of bounds. Now he recovered and uh, and made a par, and he, and he birdies two. But from from the from the start, it felt fa- it felt like um, Patrick's drive was a little shaky, and maybe Rory could come in and take immediate advantage, and instead immediately hits it way right. Your thoughts on what you saw from Rory McIlroy, and were you disappointed with how he played? Well. We know that Rory's not a great putter, and Rory knows that Rory's not a great putter. And when great putters get off to a shaky start in a putting round, that's really problematic. You know, the winners of the Masters Tournament have all been during the week of the Masters Tournament, regardless of where they ranked in putting coming into that week for the year. doesn't matter. The Masters is a whole new deal, and it's a completely unique set of greens, and it's a completely different set of skills than most you know tournaments ask you to, to provide on their greens from week to week, you know, which are generally flatter. And so... The Masters winner always putts good, and Patrick Reed putted particularly well, as Masters champions do. When Rory made the putt on the first hole for par, I thought, ah, what a great omen, because that was one of the great pars of all time, from almost OB to a downhill bunker shot to a really, really good splash out to six, eight feet and rolls it in. But it was the three or three and a half footer on two that just made me sick. And I'm sure it made Rory sicker because if he knocks in that little putt 
all of a sudden the golf tournament is tied immediately and he's made two little ones in a row. You know, everybody has a relative weakness in their game. He has a distinct relative weakness in his game, which is his putting. And, of course, he played putted beautifully at the Arnold Palmer, but that's not the Masters tournament. And that means he had a streaky week as opposed to it had been building and getting better and getting better. It's not what happened. All of a sudden, he ran into Brad Fraxon. They spent a couple hours together. Brad gave him some really good thoughts about outlook, and he gave him some good pointers on posture and being a little less tense at address and you know, trying to let that putter actually get behind his hands on the on the backstroke instead of having n- no hinge at all. The really good putters, Crenshaw's had a little hinge, Tiger had a little hinge, Brad Faxon had a little hinge, and he was trying to get Rory to have one to take a little of the tension um, out of the shot, and he did that at Bay Hill, but he wasn't doing that nearly as well or as often at Augusta National. You know, and then he missed a whole series of putts. I think he missed a shorty on three, on four, on five. I counted seven of them through ten holes that were six feet or less, all of which he missed, some of them for birdies. And so by then he was out of it because he knew he was out of it because that hole looked like a thimble to him as opposed to Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler to whom it looked like a trash shoot. And so I was extremely uh disappointed for Rory that he couldn't keep it together, disappointed that the whole thing was clearly too overwhelming for him. You know, for a guy who's on the precipice of winning a fifth major, which kind of makes you one of the best players of all time, really, once you get to five, that's a pretty magic number. You know, and Rory's young enough that, you know, he's still got 10 more years. He could easily add another five or six to that total. So he's he's a heartbeat away from his fifth, making him one of the greats, and yet he's a heartbeat away from really being in trouble because if you can't putt at a major championship, you're not going to win it with your ball striking. It just doesn't happen that way. You've got to make the putts inside of 10 feet. And if he's going to be the kind of putter going forward um, where he can't make his putts inside of 10 feet, no amount of ball striking can save him. Now, the other disappointing thing about Rory's game to me was his iron play with with scoring clubs was fairly atrocious. He, he, he was really his distance control control was not good. I mean, I think of the, just to pick one pitch, you look at the one on nine, he had a little wedge in his hand and he made the mistake that Greg Norman made uh, against Nick Faldo in 1996. And he threw it onto the front on the false front in the front of the green, the thing rolled back and it's an impossible up and down. And um, so his distance control was really off and he was missing in places that you just can't miss. And uh, so I thought, It was a telling round in that he is absolutely insecure still about his putting, no confidence whatsoever, and his ball striking under pressure was not good either. So, you know, all of the things that he had done well for the first three days to get himself in position to be in the final group, he did none of on the final day. The tee shot that you you mentioned on number one, it was the goofiest swing. All the body parts were moving in the wrong direction, and he took the club way outside, and then it came way inside. And then, and then as he went through the ball, his body moved to the right instead of to the left. I mean, it looked like something a recreation 
recreational player would do, and a recreational player would hit that shot, a howling slice to the right. But he brilliantly finished the hole, so I thought, okay, that'll right the ship for him, especially after the six-footer. And as we know, that didn't happen, and that took a lot of pressure off of Patrick Reed when he realized that Rory, who he's generally had success against, you know, he, he beat him in the singles Ryder Cup match, you know, he, Rory doesn't bother him. And I'm sure Rory didn't bother him after he missed the three putts on two, three, four, and five, or whatever it was, through two, three, four, five, and six, even maybe. And it was just, you know, it was just a horror scene. So I thought, uh, this is going to cause him some angst because it goes through his entire game and his course management and his confidence level. You know, it's not just like one thing now that he's got to shore up. All of a sudden, his distance control on his scoring clubs is is, is askew. And uh, the dry, he only hit eight greens when everybody else was hitting a zillion. And he had the worst score of the top 15 or 20 guys finishing in the tournament. And uh, so, no, it was uh, very disappointing. And he's got to go back to the drawing board. And I'm not sure exactly how he's going to do it. But he certainly wasn't the player on Sunday that he was the previous three days. And I wonder how much the moment caught up to him. This is the chance to close out the Grand's career Grand Slam at the Masters. Only Gene Saracen did that in 35. And, you know, to become, the, you know, one of very few guys who owns all four career Grand Slam events, you know sitting at home on your table and so i'm hoping that the moment wasn't too big for him that it was just one of those days brought on by some poor putting early and then his swing started to fall apart um so i've got grave concerns about him and i don't know what to make of it at this point other than just one round played good earlier in the year played really well at bay hill we know he can do this he hit enough good shots in the first three days. We know he's a great ball striker, but he's got to shore up the 100 yards and in. He's got to shore up his putting, and he's got to take a look at himself on his longer shots and make sure his sequence of events is better so that he can have rhythm again, which lets him have tempo again. And so you, you've got to get the sequence right before you can get the rhythm right, before you can get the tempo right, and he's he's, he's got work to do on all those issues. Peter, one more before we let you go. And you put out on social media that Jordan Spieth got a swing lesson at the Champions Dinner from Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player. I know you spent some time with Mr. Player watching the final round on Sunday. Do you know what uh, what they shared with Jordan to help him with uh, with his game? Well, it was it was more of an invitation than a lesson. It was Jack and Gary said to Jordan at the dinner. We don't like certain things about your swing. We think your grip is too weak. We think you have uh, your takeaway needs work, and you need that left arm connected to the upper part of your left side when you go through the ball. The disconnect in the chicken wing is not going to be a player long term. And would you come down to Jack's Golf Course in Palm Beach, the Bears Club, and spend a few hours with me and Jack working on your game? And it was the three of them sitting there, and Jordan said, I would definitely definitely come down and then Gary did a whole demonstration in his living room showing me what Jordan showing me and all of his guests 
what Jordan was doing now in his backswing, what he needed to do in his backswing, what good players did in their backswing, why Arnold's backswing wasn't good, why he didn't win as many majors as he could have because he had a bowed wrist, and that's why Dustin Johnson's not winning enough. And sometimes uh, Jordan Spieth's wrist is bowed, and he doesn't want to see that. He either wants it absolutely square or, better yet, with a little cup in the back of his left wrist at the top of his backswing. So um, it was fascinating to have Gary tell me that. He'd tell you anything. There's nothing you can ask Gary Player that he won't tell you right away. But then he started telling everybody how great Trump was, and there were a lot of eyebrows getting raised around the room because I have a feeling Gary doesn't exactly really read the news. He just hears some stuff, and he has played with Trump, so he thinks Trump's Trump's a good guy. So and uh, so we, we, we had a great time with him, and is doing the demonstration, but I think that Jordan's going to take Jack and Gary up on the offer. Well, that'll be exciting to hear about. So hopefully uh, we can uh, we can get, either get back the word from you or uh, from Mr. Player about how that turns out. That would be to be a fly on the wall to see that happen would be outstanding. I would like to be there Peter. too, my friend. If I am, I'll take a little video. I appreciate you. Peter, before we let you go, let our listeners know, remind them again, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether it's online over your website or over social media as well? I'm not doing so many great things right now, so that's a short list. I'm writing a book, and my goal is to now finish it by the end of May. And uh, so I'm trying really hard to write every day. It's a very difficult discipline, but you've got to write between a thousand and two thousand words a day, and then you can get the sucker done. And I, I've got some podcasts up on my website, peterkessler.com, but I haven't added to it for quite some time because the stories in my podcast, which are very brief stories, Paul Harvey esque kind of things, is what I was shooting for. You know, five, seven, eight minutes of really fun stories, but I think the stories are probably better served in the book and not on the podcast and not on both. So I sort of cut back on that for the moment. And then when I finish the book, then the stories that I haven't used, I'll, I'll throw up in, in, in some more podcasts. And I'm working with some people who are trying to get me in front of a camera again to do interviews again, which I would be thrilled to do. But a few of those have come up and they don't quite uh, come into picture and so i'm hoping this time uh, i get lucky and i get a chance to to bang out some shows again like the old days well peter we're i'm certainly rooting for all of those things to happen and there's no better way for me to spend a tuesday night than to listening to you share your stories and your insights and it's just never enough time so i hope uh, you'll come back again real soon share more of your stories with us and uh like i say there's no better way for me to spend time uh, talking golf than there is uh, really listening to golf come from you. You're fantastic. Well, dude, you're my biggest supporter, and you've been a great fan, and more importantly, you've been a great friend of me over the years, and I love the show. And, you know, not everybody prepares like you do. Not everybody knows their guests as well as you seem to know yours. And you go to the areas where you know that they're most likely to tell their best stories. And you always do that with me. You always sort of nudge me in a direction where I think, oh, I've got this one, I've got that one. And it's it's always great for the interview subject to be steered towards that 
which he knows the most about. And you've got a great instinct, which comes from doing your research and your preparation of each guest on knowing where to take them. So I'm always thrilled to do the show. I think you're as good a pro as there is in our business. And uh, people just think the world of you, and I do too. And it's a great show, and I listen to it when I, you know, I listen to the golf show. I don't, I, I don't know as much about football, so I'm not as big on the tailgate. And don't take that personally, but I never miss <laughs> many. I don't miss many of your golf shows. And you know, for those of you who don't listen regularly, listen regularly because one of the great things about Chris and his show is it's really consistently terrific. You know, some guys can bang out a great show because they get lucky and get a particularly great guest or something, but Chris makes everybody look good and even takes people who aren't comfortable doing doing radio and somehow makes them more interesting than they really are, and that's a great gift, and uh, and and you've, you've learned to, to set it free and um, and that's one of the great things that you do when you have a gift is you, you, you just let it run and you let your gifts run and it's, uh, it's terrific stuff. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And I learned all of that from you, my friend. So thank I'm you sure. so very much, Peter, for, for care, your buddy. time tonight. All right, man. Talk I'll talk soon. to you soon, Peter. All right. I look forward to it. Take care. Bye. That's a great Peter Kessler. And again, peterkessler.com. You can find his podcast and stay up to date with what Peter's doing and over social media and listen to his insights and all that sort of thing on, uh, on uh, Twitter at Peter Kessler. And he's got a Facebook page as well. All right, before I get to my next guest, Scott White, I want to give a shout-out to a few of our sponsors. First, folks, you've heard me talking about Clubhub sensors over the last several months. It's the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub tells you what happened and why. Take the progress that you're making on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have Clubhub sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, since I put the Clubhub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Because not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards and to the green, but after the round, you can look back at the images and the layout of every hole in the course that you just played and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. Another GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review your round the way the Clubhub app does. It's available for Android or iPhones, and the, and the app keeps track of your swing speed of every club in your bag. You tempo your angle of attack, plus you get a 3D view of your swing as well. And no other rangefinder can do all that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com to order your set of Clubhub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT to get 10% off on all products. Again, clubhubgolf.com, enter the coupon code NEXT, and you're going to get the best GPS and swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price, and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. We're also excited to be partnering with the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. They are back with the same great equipment that you know and love without the retail markup that you hate. Now you can buy premium Ben Hogan irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories directly from the factory at prices your wallet's really going to appreciate. Visit them online at BenHoganGolf.com or give them a call at 844-53-HOGAN. That's 844-534-6426 to learn more and order your set today. And now back with me and making his third appearance with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is the CEO of the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company, Mr. Scott White. Let me remind you about Scott's background. He started his career in advertising in Boston, and one of his first clients was Spalding Sports Worldwide. He was hired away by them to be a product manager for Top Flight and Strata Golf Balls. 
Later, he managed the Ben Hogan business when Spalding bought them in the late 1990s. Spalding dissolved in the early 2000s, and the golf assets, both Hogan and Top Flight, were bought by Callaway, and Scott moved out to Carlsbad, California, to run their marketing efforts. 2007, he went over to TaylorMade and ran their iron and wedges business for a few years. He then transitioned to True Temper Sports, where he ran their sales and marketing efforts on the West Coast through 2014. After nearly 30 years in the golf business, Scott decided to try something a little new, so in 2014 and 15, he worked on a high-end archery and hunting company called Bowtech. But after realizing his heart was really in golf, he returned to the Ben Hogan brand in early 2016. He navigated them through bankruptcy, and he's now bringing one of the most iconic brands in golf back to life. And we are honored that he is partnering with us and back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Scott, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris. Good. Uh, How are you? I'm I'm glad to be back. So, uh, Scott, you know, I love my Ben Hogan PTX irons. And now I see you guys have got me even more excited because you've got a new set of Ben Hogan irons and wedges that you're about to launch. Let our listeners know about the new Ben Hogan edge irons and the equalizer wedges as well. Yeah, we're really excited as well. We just launched them. um, Well, we we soft launched them a couple of weeks ago. um, And and we're going to begin shipping them both in uh, about two weeks now, maybe a little bit less if we're lucky. But um, the edge irons are really a throwback to the original edge irons that were were introduced back in the late 80s. They're really a a game improvement or a game enhancement design, Uh, a lot of uh, internal perimeter weighting, um, some good offset, and a slightly thicker top line than the PTX irons that you're playing right now. So, you know, if you've been intimidated, as a lot of people have in the past, about, you know, playing PTX irons or the Fort Worth irons for that matter, uh, these might be a good a good solution for uh, that kind of player. Um, we've had some great feedback. We've, you know, had J.J. Henry and Mark Brooks hit them, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the long irons, uh, the long edge irons end up in their bags any, uh, in the near future. They were really enthusiastic about how easy they were to hit, especially, especially as I said, the long irons. So we're really thrilled with that, with the, uh, the reintroduction of the edge line. And, um, as I said, we're going to begin shipping those in both right and left-hand versions in the next few weeks. Um, and then adding on to that, we also resurrected the equalizer name. Um, as most people know, you know, Ben Hogan was, was famous or actually his competitors named his equalizer wedge. And so we thought it was only appropriate to bring out a full line of forged wedges bearing that name. And so, uh, we've got, um, forged, um, single piece wedges that, um, come in every, come in every other loft, only the even lofts between 48 and 62 degrees. Um, again, those were soft launched a few weeks ago on our website and we'll begin shipping those, um, also with the edge irons in, uh, certainly before the end of April. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we might even begin doing that as early as end of next week, but, um, uh, we're, we're doing some final testing and some analysis and some club building, uh, pre-runs and, and making sure that everything comes together before we send anything out with Mr. Hogan's signature on it. So Scott, talking about the edge irons, right? If you look at your catalog of irons, if you will, you got the new edge, you got the PTX and you got the Fort Worth irons. You know, how do I know which one of those sets is, is really the best one for my game? 
Well, there's a couple different ways to go about it. Um, obviously, you can go to the website, BenHoganGolf.com, and, and read up about each one of them. And we've got some good videos explaining the, the features and benefits of each iron. Um, you can also take part in our, our demo program. And if you wanted to, you could order up, uh, you know, a couple of irons of each each model and take them out to your range or your, your golf course and hit them and find out which one you're most comfortable with. But, to you know, to cut to the chase, the Fort Worth irons are – you know, really a, um, a traditional blade, although they have a little bit of, you know, game enhancement technology in them. They've got a little bit of perimeter weighting, so they're not quite as intimidating as, you know, for example, some of the old Apex blades. Um, the PTX irons are really a very technologically um, fashion-forward kind of product. They're three-piece forging. They've got um, internal uh, internal weighting and in, uh, different kinds of titanium and, and tungsten weighting that's located various positions throughout the club. Each club head was designed individually. You know, that's a, it's a great product. Both J.J. Henry and Mark Brooks are using them out on the professional tours. We've got a lot of other players uh, on the professional tours that are interested in them as well. Um, so they're, a, uh, I, I, I'm not sure what the right word is, but they're the kind of product that span a wide range of ability levels. Everybody from a tour player to, you know, probably a 12 or 15 handicap can, can utilize PTX irons. And then Edge, the new iron is really, again, I don't like the word game improvement, but more of a game enhancement product. Um, as I said though, you know, some of the tour players may use the longer irons. It was really our way to get more people into the Ben Hogan fold. Um, you know, a guy or a woman for that matter that, that might be, um, you know, at one point had a good game, uh, maybe a little older or a person who's, um, you know, not of, of high ability levels because of just beginning the game, but, but really loves what the Ben Hogan brand is all about. You know, the edge iron would be the right, the right choice for that person. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, all of these products sort of overlap one another. But certainly Edge, the newest product, is the one that's um, the easiest to hit, easiest to get the ball up in the air, and, and the one that's going to provide the most um, game improvement properties. And, Scott, one of the, the great things and very unique things about the Ben Hogan wedges is your V-Soul design. Talk about how that sets them apart from the other wedges that are out there on the market. Yeah, the VSOL design is really a spectacular wedge design. I mean, at the end of the day, what it does is it, it makes the, the club very versatile. You can lay it open, you can shut it down, and, and, and hit a, a lot of different shots from a lot of different turf conditions. Um, the original VSOL design that, that we utilize in the TK wedges has a very, very steep leading edge and uh, also a very steep trailing edge. And, you know, that's that's great. A lot of players love it. We found that some players who didn't necessarily have a very steep angle of attack sort of found them to be digging. Um, they, they found them to be, um, you know, kind of getting too much into the turf and, and, and in some instances hitting fat shots. So we modified the V-Soul design a little bit for both the equalizer wedges and the edge irons, for that matter. We softened the leading edge and we softened the trailing edge. So they're still quite a, a, they're still incredibly versatile, um, but they're they're now um, they work a little bit better with players 
that don't have quite as steep an angle of descent as say a tour player um, angle of attack. They um, they they're uh, you know for somebody who you know may not take any divot whatsoever or somebody who takes you know more of a traditional divot a couple of inches uh, but not you know really digging into the earth as you know some of the guys on tour some of the guys you saw at the Masters this past weekend do. And Scott, since the last time we spoke, you guys have come out with a, a complete line of accessories. You got hats, towels, umbrellas, travel gear coming up as well. Talk about those things. Yeah, that was really just a, um, a response to the overwhelming demand we got from from people who uh, know we're back in business and, and really want to represent the brand, you know, kind of become brand ambassadors in, in some way, shape or form. You know, that's not our core business um, at all. We're, we're a premium iron and wedge company first and foremost and and at some point may get into some other product categories hard good categories as well but there was just this latent demand and and a huge outcry for people who wanted to wear the cap or the visor for that matter um you know carry a ben hogan towel or a tour type umbrella um it's they're just it's uh it's a great marketing vehicle for us quite honestly and and we're happy to have people represent the brand um, and it's it's been uh, it's been kind of overwhelming how how quickly our initial orders have sold through. We're <laughs> surprisingly back ordered on a couple of a uh, couple of styles of caps already, so we're quickly reordering. But uh, it's uh, it's great. I mean, I've had the the luxury and the the good experience of being out walking the streets in Fort Worth, Texas, or even once here in California, and saw somebody wearing a Ben Hogan cap, which uh, which really makes me feel good. And Speaking of other categories, Scott, are you guys planning, are you going to branch out some more? Are you going to look into potentially getting into drivers or fairway medals or golf balls? Or what, what else might be on the docket? Um, yes to all three of those. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's imminent. Um, I wouldn't, we're not going to introduce anything until we feel it's worthy and representative of, of Mr. Hogan's signature. Um, you know, we're just not a company that's in the business of introducing me Too products. So, all of those products that you talked about, drivers, fairways, golf balls, even putters, are, are in development. Um, we don't have a specific deadline or timetable that we're, we're going to bring things out. You know, like other OEMs are forced to, you know, get into certain sales cycles with big retailers. We're not, we're not uh, beholden to do that. So we'll bring them out when we feel that they're, uh, they're ready and they're different and they're, uh, again, worthy of uh, – of uh, Mr. Hogan's signature. So I would, you know, look for them in the future. Um, don't have a specific timetable, but when they're ready, we'll bring them out. Scott, a couple more before we let you go. And and you've gone, you know, a straight to the, from the factory to the consumer model. So no middleman markups and, and that sort of thing. Talk about what that means for all of us, for all of our wallets, and for the folks that are listening online to say, gee, I sure like to get my, my you know, hands on a set of PTX irons or the new edge irons. How do they go about doing that? Yeah, it's very simple, actually. Um, you know, we've just adopted the, you know, the, the trend of, of more buying and, and more um, consumer experiences online. You know, there's just as people get more comfortable with Amazon and Southwest Airlines that we, we look at a lot because, believe it or not, they're really a, a direct-to-consumer company. They don't sell through travel agents. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's just a great and convenient way to do business for, for us and for consumers. And uh, the big benefit of, of that is that 
um, you know, we don't have, there's no retail markup, which tends to be 40 to, to 75%. So that savings gets passed on to the consumer. Um, you know, in the case of the PTX irons that we've talked about a couple of times here, you know, those are a very, very high technology, three-piece forging, um, you know, a, a competitive products, and I, I won't name names, but a competitive iron like that uh, would cost thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars a set um, at uh, one of the major golf retailers. We sell it for seven hundred and seventy dollars. Um, the new edge irons, which are again a, a great game enhancement type product, um, and there's a lot of those out on the market. But this one it happens to be forged. You know, we sell those for $105 a stick or $735 a club. So there is a significant savings um, um, by, you know, buying online at BenHoganGolf.com. We've also added a number of different programs to, you know, help make the buying experience even more affordable and easy. As I said earlier, we've introduced a demo program uh, where we'll send you out a couple of clubs to try at your leisure. Uh, we've got a trade-up program where we'll take in used equipment. Doesn't even have to be Ben Hogan equipment. If it's uh, a competitor, you know, a, a competitor's product, we'll we'll trade you, give you a fair market value for the used product to help defray the cost of the of the new product. Um, and and we always, you know, since we've started this uh, factory direct business model, we there's no charge for customization. You know, we don't charge for lie or length or grip. Um, um, alterations and you know what a lot of people find interesting is that steel and graphite shafts are exactly the same price um, we we don't charge there's no upcharge for for graphite so um, it's a very simple and straightforward business model uh, we're very pleased with the uh, momentum we have behind it and the success that we've had to date and um, we're really really optimistic and excited about the future so Scott let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things you guys are doing? You talk about BenHoganGolf.com as your website, but how can they stay up to date with all the things you're doing over social media as well? Well, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I mean, the easiest way is to just go onto the website and sign up for our email um, newsletter. We send out probably once a week. We try not to overwhelm people, but um, you know, by doing so right now, we have a promotion running. If you if you sign up, we'll give you 10% off of your first order. But we also have a Facebook page and a Twitter page and an Instagram page. We're on YouTube, and there's there's a lot of information out there about the company. And and actually, what's really nice is we're getting a lot of uh, people who aren't associated with the brand um, or, you know, employees of the company that are writing about their experiences with our product and, and the buying process. And, you know, those kind of uh, independent reviews and, and, and uh, comments about our, our, our product quality and, and the, uh, the purchase experience are, are really uh, starting to go viral and are, are really helping our cause in a lot of different ways. Well, Scott, I can't thank you enough for coming back and joining me again tonight. I'm very excited to hear about all the new things that you guys are doing and the innovation and the products and the things that might be coming down, you know, down in the, uh, on the horizon. And you've got, the, like I say, the new edge irons and the equalizer wedges sound tremendous. So keep up with all the great work. Thank you so much for your time and for partnering us, partnering with us here on Next on the T. You guys are fantastic. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate your your support and having me on the show, and let's try to do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. Scott, take care. All the best to you and your family and everyone at Ben Hogan Golf. Like I say, I look forward to catching up with you again, and hopefully we do it again here real soon. Thanks, Chris. Have a good night. All right. You too, Scott. 
That's Scott White, the CEO of the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. And again, folks, the PTX irons, I use those. I've been playing. They're fantastic. And I tell you, the leading, you know, the, the, the V-sole that they have on their wedges, and it even it comes through on some of the irons as well, is outstanding. And, you know, I don't have any problem with a club digging or any of that sort of thing. Actually, I find the opposite of that because I'm a sweeper. Right. I don't take a big divot uh, when I play, but, I, you know, getting the ball up in the air, being able to control, it's very easy, gets through the grass very well. I, I You know, the PTX irons, folks, are the best irons I've ever played. And uh, like I said, I've been playing the game for 40 years. And uh, when I got my hands on the PTX irons, boy, I tell you what, I, you know, fit me like a glove right off the top. And to Scott's point, you can customize them right online. And I'm, I'm sort of one degree lie up and uh, they came in. Perfect and got out, got right out on the, uh, on the practice range and, and they just, boy, the, the way they come off the, the head of the irons is just fantastic. So I've been sold on the PTX irons for, for quite some time and, uh, excited about seeing what the, uh, what the edge irons look like and, uh, the new equalizer wedges as well. So hopefully I'll give you a report on those here before too long. All right, before I get to my next guest, Paul Stankowski, folks, this this, uh, segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGASuperstore.com. Now, back to you, Chris. All right, and now back with me in making his ninth appearance on the French Lick Resort guest line is a guy I always look forward to talking with. That is uh, PGA Tour Pro and broadcaster Paul Stankowski. Let me remind you about Paul's background. He was from Oxnard, California, started playing golf at the age of eight. He attended the University of Texas at El Paso, where he was a three-time All-American and won the Western Athletic Conference Championship back in 1990. Turned pro in 91. His his first pro victory came at the 1996 Nike Louisiana Open. He backed that up by winning the very next week on the PGA Tour at the Bell South Classic, becoming the only golfer in history to win on what's now the Web.com Tour and then the PGA Tour in back-to-back weeks. In all, Paul has seven professional victories, including 31 top 10 finishes as well, and I am very thankful that he is back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Paul, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, it's always good uh, to be on your show, buddy. I appreciate you. So, Paul, before we get started, first of all, love the picture you posted of your dad on Instagram. How's he doing? (laughs) He's doing well. Um, You know, he's He's got bad knees and, and his hips aren't great. Um, and, uh, so he was able to, to mosey out to the garage though and, and sit in a little chair while, uh, I don't know exactly what he was doing. He had, he had a golf glove on, he had a screw, uh, like a, a, a drill in his hand. He was, I don't know. He had blood on his leg. I'm not sure what the heck was going on there, but, but, uh, <laughs> but he was having fun and, and he is, you know, dad's always been really, handy and crafty and, and, um, you know, he would make, uh, killer, uh, coffee tables, you know, when I was a kid growing up, um, that was just on the side. He, dad's retired air force. And, and then, uh, when he retired from the air force, he moved to California, the, to Southern California and went to work uh, as a mailman for the post office and, and did that for 16 years. And then he, he, uh, it was a, a few years from a double retirement, right? Uh, from the government and, but he couldn't take it. That was back in the day when, you know, the, the term going postal was going around, uh, when, when you had, uh, 
Yeah, and so there was there was some issues. He couldn't take it anymore. You know, the supervisors and all that kind of stuff. They, Dad, Dad. Uh, one of his sayings is, you, "You don't get something for nothing." Um, and and he he always worked his butt off and and still does. And, and so he got, you know, he would efficiently run his route and he'd be done before everybody else. And so they would heap more stuff on him. And so finally he said, forget this, I'm walking my route. So yeah, <laughs> he, he took his time and, and did a great job. And, um, but anyway, he, he's always worked really hard, worked with his hands. And, um, so even though it, it hurts him to, to get around, uh, too much, he, he can't sit still, you, know, you can only watch so much Netflix. And so he, he got out in the garage and, uh, painting some stuff and fixing things and, you know, 88 years old, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, Lord willing, I live that long that, uh, I'm able to, to walk around and, and, uh, and, and get after it like he does. How about your boys and your son Josh's junior game? How's his swing? How's his game coming? You know, I, 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 uh, watched him hit golf balls today and he's got such a good golf swing and it's just, unfortunately, golf is a hard game and, you know, to, to square that club face up uh, at impact is all your listeners can can relate to. It's difficult to do it consistently, right? And if you don't do it consistently, um, you know what's a what's a quarter inch open and a quarter inch close in consecutive shots? Well, that's probably reaching into your bag to hit a provisional. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it, it's it's difficult. Um, you know, finding impact is is tough. So. But you know what? God bless him. He works hard. He loves the game. Um, he goes out after school. His last period class uh, is golf, and so he drives out uh, 20 minutes out to the to the Four Seasons Resort and Club here in in uh, the Dallas area, and, and works on his game and and loves it. So anyway, it, it was fun. I don't get a chance to, to to tee it with him or play or, or watch him practice because it's typically during school hours, but. I snuck in there uh, or snuck out there um, a little before he got out of school and, and um, I was able to watch him hit a few balls uh, from a distance. You can't, while they're in, in school hours, Chris, you can't, you can't talk to him. You can't help him at all because it's deemed a class, right? It's, it's golf. And so the silly rules are, are such that I can't do anything until three thirty. Um, so, but it was fun. He's doing, he's doing well. He's doing, he's doing great in school. Uh, my daughter is on the drill team, and uh, she's a sophomore, and, and she's doing awesome. And um, she's got a new job. She's driving around, and, and she's got a job at a at a boutique store here at, in our area. And, and uh, she loves. I'm not sure she loves working, but she loves the paycheck. So it's pretty interesting. She's like, <laughs> I, I, I I just like the money. I'm like, all right, well that's that's good. But uh, now kids are great. Wife is good. Regina's. Um, yeah, we're we're. You know, I say we're living the dream. This is uh, we're really enjoying this season of life. Paul, I saw earlier this year you were playing out on the uh, North Texas PGA Players Tour at an event, and you were paired with Tony Romo. So, as as a Cowboys fan, I have to imagine that was a pretty huge thrill. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I've met Tony a few times in the past, but uh, get to tee it up with him. Uh, and in a little tournament, I mean, it was, it, it's, you know, nothing major, but it's, you know, there were, uh, you know, a few dozen players and, and, you know, it's competition. And if you play well, you could, you know, make a few grand, which is always, I guess it's never bad. Um, my daughter loves that. So, um, <laughs> the, the <laughs> opportunity to play with Tony was cool. 
Um, you know, he had, uh, and I was impressed, Chris. He, Tony's got game. Uh, and this is on the heels. He was two weeks into a brand new swing chain, started working with a new instructor. Um, and, you know, I understand the move. I, I, he was changing too. And, you know, one of the most difficult things with making swing changes is the, um, you don't have a go-to anymore, right? You know, if you've had a swing for a long time, you may have a trusty shot. You know, what for me, it's a, it's just a hold fade, right? I can get the ball in play. I don't have to kill it. I could just squeeze it out there. And, and, you know, for a guy who's going, going through a, a brand new swing change, had his instructor on the bag, um, which is never good in the tournament because you're, you're not playing golf. You're, you're playing golf swing. And, um, and so he had a few wayward early, got behind the eight ball. Um, but after that settled down and just hit, hit a lot of really quality shots. It, the sounds of the golf ball coming off the club sounded right. And, um, you know, I, I think with some more training and, and some more opportunity and, and, uh, getting, uh, you know, tournament tough, um, you know, he's got a good game. I mean, does he have a game for, to, to play professional golf? I, you know, I don't, I don't, it's going to take a lot of work, uh, as it does. Um, but can he be a good amateur? Yeah, absolutely. And Paul, when I was uh, also checking out some of the stuff you got out there on social media, I saw a, a great picture of Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, Tom Watson at the Par Three contest last week at Augusta National. Were you there following them? I was not. No, I was following them uh, via my couch and the TV <laughs> at home. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it, but it was really cool because I I didn't realize they were playing together in the Par Three, and I turn on the TV and. And there they are. And, and it brought me back to a memory. And I was telling my son about it uh, as we were watching um, the 19, I think it was the 97 Memorial Tournament. Um, they, there's a, uh, a skins game on, I even forget now if it was a Tuesday or Wednesday before the tournament starts. Um, they had a, a skins game for charity and, and there were two groups. And my flight was delayed coming out of Dallas. And long story short, I don't get to play in the first group, which was like, I think it was Steve Jones, Duvall, Tom Lehman, and Paul Azinger, or somebody, something similar to that. I got stuck in the second group with Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, and Gary Player. Um, <laughs> so, to, uh, and, and I say that tongue in cheek, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize, I didn't know who I was playing with. I just knew my flight was delayed. I'm in the Skins game, and. I, I was hurrying to get there. And when I got to the putting green, my, my caddy's like, do you see who we got? And I'm like, no, I was too busy getting my golf shoes on and, and trying to hustle to the tee. And he goes, look around. And the only three people on the putting green were Jack, Gary, and Tom. And so I got to play nine holes in the skins game at Muirfield Village with those three legends in front of, you know, thousands of people. And I was nervous. I was completely out of place. I'm 27 years old. And did not belong in that group at all. Um, and so, but I had a blast. I won most of the skins. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> no pictures. I have no pictures, nothing. But I do, I have great memories from that day. And so watching them play the Par 3 golf uh, tournament um, was really cool. You know, and the fact that they were hitting quality shots. And I mean, it, um Good night. Tom Watson won the thing. That was, it was a thrill. I had a smile on my face for as long as they were about, but about the hour I watched, uh, and then, you know, culminating with, uh, you know, the grandson 
making a hole in one there uh, on, on the last hole. That was pretty special. So let's forward to the actual Masters tournament itself, Paul. I want to get your what are your overall thoughts? What what do you think about what you saw this past weekend? You know, going into the tournament, Chris, I, I was I was really hoping that we would see Tiger and Phil in the mix come Sunday. Like I really wanted them two to be on the first page or the second page of the leaderboard, one of those two making a run with these young studs, right? That's what I was that's what I was really hoping for. You know, I thought we got I mean great glimpse of Phil um playing some really good golf. The win in Mexico was great. He he had been playing well for for a, a few months leading into that and and then with Tiger coming out of the out of the gate playing some really good golf as well, looking like he's back. And I, and I, and I say that, um, in all confidence that yes, I, I mean, it's, it's not the same tiger as you can tell by watching him. Um, we see a lot more smiling, uh, fewer fist pumps so far. Uh, he hadn't won yet. So I'm sure when, when that happens, <laughs> we might see a couple more fist pumps come out, but he seems to be a different tiger, but yet hitting the ball a long way. And so I was really hoping, um, that we'd see that. And when they both, after a couple of days, got off to the starts they did, I was actually a bit disappointed and I, and I was not really looking forward to the weekend and which is stupid until I started looking at the leaderboard. I'm like, wait a minute, this leaderboard is crazy good right now. It, regardless of Tiger and Phil, um, the leaderboard is, is chock full of all these guys and, and this is the new tour. And, and so uh, I, I watched pretty much every shot on Saturday and Sunday from my, my, uh, recliner, uh, with my son on my left and, and we enjoyed it. And it was, it was, uh, it was exciting. Uh, I think Patrick played amazing golf and, and, you know, you're, you're waiting. The Masters is hard to win and Augusta, maybe it might not be the, the most difficult golf course on the planet. Um, it's probably one of the go- a golf course that you, you can, um, you can shoot some good numbers as we've seen that back nine is, is full of excitement. Um, but double bogeys are waiting to happen on every one of those holes too. And, and so you're, you know, I was sitting there going, okay, w- when's he going to fold? When's he going to fold? And he didn't. And, and, you know, Patrick played, um, aggressive golf. He was, uh, he's fiery. Uh, I don't think he has any fear in his body uh, whatsoever um, to see Ricky battle back and, and contend and, and, you know, basically make Pat, make Patrick um, get it done. Uh, Jordan playing an amazing Sunday round. It, it was fun. A lot of storylines. And, and in the end, you know, Patrick wins and, you know, I had, uh, I had some dessert afterwards. I mean, that was the deal, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, you went to your point a moment ago, Ricky Fowler making him earn it. And he had a heck of a weekend shooting 65, 67. Is this the year you think Ricky finally gets it done? I, you know, that's a good question. I, I think Ricky has got, uh, he's an amazing player and I, and I truly believe uh, he will win his share um, of major championships and, and, and big events. He, he's got a, a great game. He's fun to watch. He's got a lot of charisma. Uh, he rolls the rock really well. You know, he got out dueled, um, by uh, the guy, Patrick Reed, who didn't miss a putt either. And, and you need some luck, you know, to, to win big tournaments. And, um, you know, the, the, the putt on 17 from the fringe that, that, uh, 
could have gone in, right? So you could say, some could say it was unlucky that it didn't go in. But if that flag uh, was a hologram, that ball's off the green. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, to hit the pin and rattle in, he still had to make a five-footer, and it was nails, and it's gutsy, and then he did the same thing on the last hole. That, it, it was fun, but I definitely think Ricky, um, yeah, Ricky's going to win one. You, you, you can't be there that often. Um, it's almost very kind of Greg Normany, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. where Greg Norman seemed to be right in the mix a bunch as well, but, um, Ricky's got a lot of talent. Um, he's, he's going to win something, whether it's this year, I, you know, um, it doesn't seem like there's a golf course that is, um, that suits his game. Um, or doesn't suit. I think every golf course, what I'm trying to say is every golf course suits him. Uh, he can, he can adapt. And, uh, when you roll it that good, Chris, you're going to be in the mix, uh, most weeks. Paul, just a couple more before we let you go. And as we look ahead now to the players championship next month, you played in that tournament many times. And I was curious to get your memories. What's it like? standing on the 17th tee when, when the winds are up and you're trying to hit a tee shot there and you're, you know, it's in a turn, you're obviously in a, in a big tournament. Some say the, the fifth major, what's it like trying to draw the club back on 17, especially if the winds are blowing? Oh my word. Um, <laughs> did you just, you just took me right back there and it, and it, now my palms are sweaty already. Just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> You know, it is a very um, – any golf shot, you've got to just focus in on what you want to do. Uh, and that's – I'm going to try to simplify it because that's where my brain goes, um, whether it's 17 at Sawgrass, 12 at Augusta. Um, you know, the, the the shots that – you know, at Augusta, the, the, you can never guess the wind. Um, at Sawgrass – you you see it it's there it is it's you know there's really nothing to to block it it's either going to be coming off the right coming off the left coming in coming down i mean you feel it so less intimidating from a standpoint of of the guesswork augusta you're looking at the 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 pin at 12 it could be blowing from left to right you look over to the left at the pin to your left at 11 it could be blowing from right to left and they're 150 yards apart but they're doing two completely different things. And you're throwing the, the, the grass up at the tee and it's blowing to your left, but the flag is going to the right. You try to look over and see something on 13. You're looking for other pins. It's basically, you don't know if it's blowing clockwise or counterclockwise. I mean, it's just, it's rotating up there. So, um, there are some shots in golf that are intimidating. And, and I, I would obviously say that, yeah, 12 at Augusta, 17 at Sawgrass, um, Hilton Head um, this week, 17, is, um, you know, if the wind's coming off the sound there, um, it gets whipping. Um, and it could, it doesn't really swirl, though, you know, like you say, like you see your Augusta. So guys want, you want the wind to be kind of sustained, if you will, right? Not gusting, not swirling. Uh, and even if it's blowing 20 miles an hour, but it's blowing and it's not dying down, and it's consistently in the same direction, these tour players are going to figure things out. Paul, just one more before we let you go, and I see you're, you're switching over broadcast duties for SiriusXM uh, on the PGA Tour channel. You've sort of ventured out of the booth and now out onto the course as a uh, on-course commentator recently. What's that been like? 
Well, that that was a um, that was my first shot, and, and it was with PJ Tour Live, um, the streaming product that that uh, the PJ Tour Entertainment comes out with. So it's early round coverage. Uh, I did that for the match play, and and we have three um, analysts on site uh, for those those events, and the producer just wanted each of us to do the on go on course one day. We were, we were only doing three days. So I got, I got my chance. That was a lot of fun, Chris. Um, it was, you know, wearing the, the headset and the, and the, the battery pack and all that stuff. You know, I've, I've watched Faraday and Malt B and everybody who's ever done it um, over the years, but I haven't paid attention to what they were doing. So I didn't have a manual. I mean, there's no manual that says this is what you need to do. They just kind of go here. Here's your stuff. <laughs> You're going to go follow Jason Day and and Duffner. And so, like they tell me, go you know, go to the range. You know, we got to do a live on the range. You can talk about the 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 weather and the course and conditions and and so you know, they're we're walking me through this. I'm supposed to follow Jason Day and Duffner, who were on the driving range. Jordan Spieth had just left and was over on the first tee box and. And all of a sudden in my ear, they go, hey, change of plans. You're following Jordan. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? <laughs> so I, they're getting, I, know, I know nothing. And I just I ran out toward the first hole, and I look, and one ball was already being sent. And so I you know, said, I'm in position. And then I just started calling golf. And it was – I'm running around. I, it was funny. Through about 12 or 13 holes – you know, I'm following the, the network's on. So, and I think NBC had that. Roger Malpe was out there, and, and I'm running it's like across the fairway. I'm literally taking a, like a stance on Jordan's ball, looking at the lie, and then running to the other ball. It was Lee. How uh, Tong Lee was uh, in the group, and I, I'm literally looking at lies, looking at shots. I'm analyzing, but like Malpe's sitting up in his cart, and I'm like should I be doing this? I mean, but it's so funny. I'm my first time, you know, I'm trying to get it right. I want to, I want to, I want to be good when I say, you know, oh, this is a tough lie and easy to chunk, or this is, you know, a shot he can make. It's an easy lie. You know, I want to, I want to get down there. And, and uh, I realized I was the only one really getting into the golf uh, from the guys wearing the headset. So, um, I, you know, they were probably laughing at me going, look at that rookie down there. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's, he's trying to get into the game, you know, and, but it was fun. Um, I didn't get fired. Um, I didn't get yelled at, <laughs> and uh, and that's a good thing. <laughs> Indeed, it is. Paul, before we let you go, update us on how things are going with your company, Francis Edwards. You know, things are going well. Um, just plugging along. Um, this is our fifth year now, and and uh, we did not go to the PGA show this year. I, I took the year off, um, and uh, so kind of feel like I'm I'm uh, trying to play catch up now, but. Um, but it's good. Uh, still, still uh, rocking and rolling, and and uh, looking forward to to a fun 2018. Paul, remind our listeners how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether it's online or over social media. Well, what are we? Uh, social media, uh, Twitter. I'm um, I'm at Paul Stankowski, and um, Instagram. I just recently kind of got back into that. I I uh, my daughter encouraged me to do that, so. I think I'm at Paul Stankowski there on Instagram too. Um, and, uh, you know, FrancisEdward.com is our, is our belt company. And, and I'm tuned in on, I'll be on the mic this week from, 
the analyst chair for the RBC. Um, that'll be fun uh, to get to call some golf, and I love that tournament. It's a fantastic golf course, and and uh, but yeah, that's about it. My phone number eight six seven five three zero nine. Oh no, that's right, that was Jenny. Um, but uh, yeah. That's great. Paul, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back on the show. It's always so much fun getting to spend some time with you. I hope we get the privilege of having you back on the show again real soon. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, I always enjoy being on your show. You are the best at, uh, at at what you do, so keep it up. I appreciate you, Paul. Take care. All the best to your dad and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. See you, Paul. That's the great Paul Stankowski, and at Paul Stankowski on Twitter, he's a fantastic follow, and Francis Edward is the name of his uh, his belt company. They do some great leather work over there as well. All right, folks, before we close up shop, you know we always like to close things out with a reminder from our good friend, PGA Tour Pro Jim Estes, and all the great things that they are doing over at the Salute Military Golf Association. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, folks, please be sure to go online to smga.org to see how you can get involved and to find out more information. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks again go out to Peter Kessler, Scott White, and Paul Stankowski for joining me this, this week. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Please give me your thoughts. Go online to our Facebook page, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Give me your feedback. Give me a, a like. That's in very that's very important to us as well. Plus, if you have any questions for one of our future guests or someone who's already been on the show, please let me know. We'll be glad to get that question answered for you. You can go online to our website, nextonthetee.net, to see who some of our future guests are going to be. Plus, you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free from there as well. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can stream it live right here on Blog Talk Radio. That show, like this one, also available as a free podcast over on iHeartRadio and Podbean as well. And we can't thank Podbean enough for featuring next on the on the, our show here next on the T on their mobile app we've been right there on the front page can't thank them enough for their wonderful support plus if you love streaming podcasts across all genres not just sports or golf or football they've got so many great podcasts for you there as well go online to podbean.com or download the podbean app 
Over on Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories from their playing days, plus giving us their insights into what's going on around the NFL today as well. Plus, we also highlight two players doing great things in their communities and our spotlight on the positive segment. You can find that show online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. Folks, thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you got a million podcasts and shows you have the opportunity to listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you are making Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members Go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.